Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. My name's Adam. I'm your uh, West Shore campus pastor, along with Shandy, my beautiful wife, who I'm so thankful for. Uh, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 25, or Acts chapter 26. And uh, we've been walking through Acts. If you're here with us last week, Pastor Chris spoke to us from the book of Acts. We've been walking through Acts. Acts is almost done. Only a couple more weeks of Acts left for us. But, uh, but I do want to highlight Acts chapter 26. There's an interesting portion of scripture here. Uh, here we have uh, Paul. He, he, he's pleading his case before King Agrippa. He's sharing his story. He shares his testimony of all things. And what's fascinating about this particular chapter is we hear Paul's testimony for the third time. He shared it back in Acts chapter 9. We hear the story of Ananias. I, I spoke it uh, right here on the stage a few months ago. Um, in, in Acts chapter 22, uh, he, he shares his same story again. And, and here again in Acts chapter 26, Paul shares a story about how he met Jesus and came to faith. And before we even jump into our text this after this morning, uh, there's something that we can glean from that. You see, your, your story isn't just meant to be told once. Like your story isn't just meant to be held inside, but, but people are impacted when they get to hear um, your story, when they get to practically and tangibly hear how, how your life was transformed by Jesus. See, one thing that we have in common across this whole country is the fact that people all across this nation of ours, and I would say North America, this is, this is a big issue right now. Um, people don't seem to see any value in the local church anymore. Um, ironically, even Christians are having a hard time seeing value in the local church. Christians are seeing a hard time seeing value in, in, in even coming to church weekly, um, as, as it were. Like there's, there's, this, there's this idea that, that the local church isn't alive and the local church isn't relevant anymore, and that God isn't moving. And that's why the power of story is so important. That's why it's important for people to be able to hear what it is that God's doing in your life. So you are part of God's publicity plan. You are part of God's, I'll word it better this way, you are part of God's rescue plan for humanity. Like what God has done in you is not just for your benefit, but it's actually for the benefit of others. And we see this in this particular text. And I want to read for you from Acts chapter 12, 26, verse 12, all the way down to verse 18. I'm going to read it, then we're going to unpack it together. But this is what the words say. It says, one day, I was on such a mission to Damascus. This is Paul saying, I, I've been given the right, I've been given permission to go and capture Christians and throw them into jail because I was so adamantly opposed to this move of the church. And so this is where, 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 he, where he jumps in. One day, as I was on this mission to go stop this Christian movement, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priests, at about noon, your majesty, King Agrippa, uh, hear my heart. He says, as I was on the road, a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone down on me and my companions. 
we all fell down. And I, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why, why are you persecuting me? It, it is useless for you to fight against my will. Verse 15, well, who, who are you, Lord? And, and, and it's so bright and so shiny and so out of the ordinary. And all of a sudden he has this, this voice in Aramaic speaking to him, calling him out. It's like, no, no, no. This can't actually be Jesus, is it? And the Lord replies, I am Jesus. I'm the one that you are persecuting. Now get to your feet, for I've appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and my witness. I appeared to you to appoint you. I showed up to get your attention. I'm, I'm, I'm here right now, Paul, because there's something that you need to do. So listen to me clearly. Tell people that you have seen me. Tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue, rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. To do what? Number one, to open their eyes. Number two, so they may turn from darkness to light. Number three, so that they may turn from the power of Satan to God. Number four, that they will receive forgiveness for their sins. And number five, that they would be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you're real. I thank you that you're here. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that we have breath in our lungs. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Would you illuminate your scriptures to our very our very minds. God, will we not just come to church today, but may we participate in what it is that you are doing. God, we want to leave here different than the way that we came. So we bless you, Lord. We pray that you would speak to us, God, in your name. Amen. You see, the term Gentile is a fascinating term. Because if I were to say to you, hey, what is a Gentile? Brooke, I just want to say, I'm so glad that you're here. And your, your baby is so sweet. No, two months, two months old baby. Hey, I didn't want to point point you out, and I, didn't, I apologize. I'm kind of embarrassing you. I didn't mean to. I, uh, you're 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 just this little guy is such a sweetheart, and so I'm just so happy that you're here. And so thank you. You're the best. <laughs> Anybody else want to get up and leave? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I am so thankful for this portion of scripture. You see, at three different times, Paul explains this particular story. But nowhere else in scripture does he highlight this particular attribute. He highlights this fact that Jesus is speaking to him very specifically about being the, the person, the messenger, the tool that God wants to use to, to reach the Gentiles. So now a great question for us today before we jump in. What on earth is a Gentile? Right? See, Gentile is a fascinating term because a Gentile doesn't so much explain who somebody is, rather more so describes who they are not. And so a Gentile would be somebody who's not Jewish. And so this is actually, if you're just blasting through the scriptures, like this isn't all that, that impressive of a story, but if you actually think about just for a moment, slow down and look at what it is that, whoa, look at what it is that Saul is, what's happening here, it's actually quite profound. 
Because at no point in human history did anybody else have relationships with God other than Jewish people up until this point. Like, like to become a Christian, the people who were becoming Christians were all the Jewish people. It was the Jews who were, who were getting this revelation from God of who Christ actually was, and it was them who were becoming Christians. Then all of a sudden, of all the people in the world that God could use as his messenger to tell the church that the church is not just for the Jewish people, it's actually for everybody, he chose Saul. And it's actually this particular moment that changed history for all of us. Unless, of course, you're Jewish in here, then you're already in. This is easy. But for everybody else, all of us, we're, we're technically Gentiles. And so when we read this portion of Scripture, Jesus comes and stops Saul in his tracks to say, Listen, I am sending you, Saul, to the Gentiles. And I can imagine him scratching his head being like, what, 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 what? What do you mean send them to the Gentiles? Why would I go and do that? That's not how this works. But it's as though God's saying, no, 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 my friend. I'm doing a new thing. And what is about to happen is gonna impact not just your life, but everybody's life for generations upon generations. Their children, their children's children, all the way now, 2023, we are still reaping the benefits of this particular interaction between God and Saul. And so why does this matter? Like, like, like why is this so important? Like, why was it imperative that, that God got Saul's attention? What is, the, what is the point of being a Christian? Well, it's highlighted pretty specifically for us here in Acts chapter 26, verse 18. The first thing Jesus commissioned Saul to do as he's getting ready to get the Gentiles' attention, get the attention of the outsider, is maybe another way you can look at it. And I don't know about you, if you've ever felt like an outsider, it's not fun. <laughs> When you move somewhere new and, and you don't fit in, you got to learn the culture and you got to learn the people and you got to learn the stuff. It's, it's difficult. I remember I went on exchange and I went on a six-month exchange to Quebec. And, and I did French immersion. Like I, I had learned the language, kind of. But then when you immerse yourself into a whole new culture and everybody's speaking French, all of a sudden I'm like, did they even teach me French in high school? Like I, none of this stuff even applies. And I remember just feeling like, like just, I just felt like an outsider. Like I, I, I didn't fit in. I wanted to fit in. I, in theory, I should fit in, but I didn't, I didn't fit in. And, 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 and this is where we find our point today. Jesus comes to Saul and says, Saul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And the first thing I want you to do, the first thing that they need to know is I want you to help them open their eyes. I want you to help them see Christianity from a different perspective. Because up until this point, they didn't think that they belonged. And maybe this applies to some of you in this room, where you didn't think that you could possibly belong to something like this. And so what Jesus commissions Saul to do is he commissions him to go and go to the Gentiles and do everything that he can to open their eyes. I love Luke chapter 11. 
In Luke chapter 11, it says these words. Luke chapter 11, verse 33. It says, no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. And if you think of Christianity, nobody takes Christianity and goes to apply it and then blocks off who can come in and who can come out. That doesn't make sense. It says, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it can shine, where the light can be seen for all who enter the house. And it speaks to this idea where Jesus is like, like at this fundamental core, like light is supposed to be seen and it's supposed to be visible. And, and, and Christianity is supposed to be seen and visible. And what Saul, or Jesus is saying to Saul, he's saying, Saul, I need you to open people's eyes. I need you to help the outsiders see that Christianity applies to them. I need you to help them see from a different perspective. I need you to help them to see from a, a, a different lens, a different viewpoint. I need, you to, I need you to get into their world a little bit, Saul. Because I need them to be able to understand that Christianity is for them. Verse 34 says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And it, this is Jesus talking. He's speaking to the value of actually open your eyes, opening your eyes. The value of perception. And he speaks to this idea that when it comes to the darkness that's inside your heart, when it comes to the confusion, the heaviness, the weight that a person carries, Jesus is saying, it's actually your eyes it's actually these lenses, the way you see the world, your perspective that provides light for the rest of your body. Your ability to see is extraordinarily important. It says, when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your whole body is full of darkness. And so Jesus is saying to Saul, he's like, Saul, this is what I need you to get into your head, and this is what I need you to get into the church's heart. The outsider needs to understand that Christianity is for them. And it's actually our, our eyes, the way we see the world, the way we see God, the way we see ourselves, that informs how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about God, how, how, how we process these types of things. Verse 35, I love this particular verse. It says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. That's powerful. Especially in this particular time that we live in. Maybe, maybe we find what we would call light or what we would call our value or our, our, our strength. Maybe it's in a relationship that we have. Maybe it's in a, a particular ideology that we've created. Or maybe it's in our success or our career or our stuff. And what Jesus is saying here is he's getting to the, a deeper issue. And he's saying, listen, make sure that the light that you think you have isn't actually darkness. Because how discouraging would that be? This whole idea of Jesus saying to Saul, Saul, the first thing I want you to do when it comes to the Gentiles, I want you to help open their eyes. Because they need to be able to see. They need to be able to feel. They need to be able to know. That one, they have a place at the table, but two, that God is in fact real and is for them. 
verse 36. If you are filled with the light, if you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. And it speaks to this idea. If the eye truly is the lamp to our body, the lamp to our insides, the light of who we are inside and out, we've got to open our eyes. The way we see the world is extraordinarily important. And this is where, 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 where Jesus starts with Saul. So he, he, he continues. He says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Number two, so they may turn from darkness to light. So number one, he wants to help them see Christianity from a different perspective. Because up until this point, they didn't think that they had a place at the table. But the other thing that's extraordinarily important for the Gentile to understand or the outsider to understand is that, that God wants you to be able to see life with clarity and with confidence to approach Christianity with clarity and confidence, to look at who you are and how you were made and your purpose on this earth with clarity and confidence. In the Psalms, in Psalm chapter 18, verse 28, it says, you light a lamp for me. This is what the psalmist is saying. He says, the Lord my God lights up my darkness. You see, our, our relationship with Jesus is the way that our life gets illuminated. It says that it is the Lord our God who lights up our dark, darkness. You see, it's important that we also understand that light is not synonymous with good, and darkness is not synonymous with bad. When things are dark, what happens is they're unclear. When things are dark, things are uncertain. When things are dark, things are, are hard to discern. When things are dark, things are unknown. And so what Jesus is saying to Saul is he's saying, there is an entire people group out there who are trying to figure out who they are trying to figure out why they're here, trying to figure out what, what their purpose is in life. And in essence, they're walking in darkness. And Saul, what I need you to do is I need you to help the Gentiles, I need you to help the outsiders see that, that I've got a plan for them. I need you to help them move from darkness to light. You can't just decide to be light. It's the Lord my God who lights up our darkness. And then he continues. So I'm sending you, Saul, to reach the Gentiles. I'm sending you to open their eyes. And I'm sending you to help them move from darkness to light. And to move from the power of Satan to the power of God. In other words, he's saying, Saul, 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 this is what's extraordinarily important for you to understand. <laughs> I need you to help these people find freedom and wholeness. Christianity applies to them. Christianity is applicable to them. Christianity is for them too. We look at Matthew uh, chapter 12. In essence, Jesus is in, in 
in this particular chapter, it's as though he's saying, let me, let me simplify Christianity for you. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, it says these words. It says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. There's a, a cause and effect kind of relationship there. If a tree is sad, the fruit will be sad. If the tree is angry, the fruit will be angry. If the tree is excited, the fruit will be excited. Okay, like, like, like it's, it's one in and one out. Like, like, like they go two, one plus one equals two. Verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Okay. For a person to move from the power of Satan to the power of God sounds like a very bold kind of imagery. What's not happening here is, is Jesus isn't saying like, look, if you are not a Christian, you worship Satan. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. What's being communicated here is that a person, as they become a Christian, they now have this access to the power of God. And the power of God can do extraordinary things. And the power of God is accessible to the Gentile when they give their lives to Jesus. What, what, what Jesus is so desperately wanting Saul to understand, because he wants the whole church to understand this, it's that, that Christianity isn't just for a particular person at a particular time in a particular season. Christianity is, is for everybody. Like, like the table, there is a seat at the table for everyone. This benefits them not just to figure out who they are, but it also benefits them in the terms of like you're, enable, you're now able to access the power of God. And this is how, like, this is why Christianity is so compelling. It's not just a, a, a worldview or a different way of looking at, at culture or life or, 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 or where you came from. But it's actually a very personal, intimate relationship with a person. And all of a sudden, the power of God becomes accessible. What was once dark is now light. What was once Satan's is now God's. And he paints this just really powerful picture. So it goes on to continue. It says, then they will receive forgiveness of their sins. Saul, you need to understand. Like, not only do I need the Gentiles to see Christianity differently, not only do I need the Gentiles to understand with clarity and confidence who they are and who I am, not only do I want the Gentiles to, to experience freedom and wholeness, but I also want them to experience the power of the gospel for themselves. I also want them to experience the life-changing, life-transforming power of the cross. I want, them to help, I want them to understand that the power of God is for them too. Not just for the religious elite. Not just for somebody else. But it's applicable for them. I always find it interesting, like, it's easier for me to have faith for somebody else. It's not always as easy to have faith for me. 
Like I can have faith that God will heal you or God will provide for you, but to have faith that God will provide for me, that's not as always as intuitive and not as easy. We were, I, I just got back Sunday night, last Sunday, and we had this great idea. As a family, we're going to go on the Cowichan River and do the Cowichan River float. And have you ever done it? We were excited about the idea. <laughs> we, we bought our tickets. We started driving there. And all of a sudden, our van started sputtering. And all of a sudden, our van breaks down in Cumberland. Not Cumberland. That's the wrong place. Mill Bay. Why did I say Cumberland? It's Mill Bay. Cobble Hill. That's what I was thinking. Mill Bay. Mill Bay. Breaks down in Mill Bay. I almost phoned, phoned you guys. I almost phoned you for help. <laughs> so, so, we, so we pull over. My van is not working. And my faith-filled wife says, let's pray. And I think to myself, prayer does not replace oil in a van. <laughs> prayer is not going to fix our problems right now, Jesus. But I will go. And I will pray. And so, so Shandy prays. And we have the kids there. And so I'm like, okay, I got to model prayer in front of my kids. Okay, Shandy, you pray. Let's believe for God to move. Like, I, I will gladly pray for you that God will help you when you break down. But when I break down, I'm like, God, help me fix this problem right now. Let me do it in my own strength. I got this. All right. And so me and my kids, we happen to break down right beside Rona. I'm like, that's great odds. That's awesome. So I'm like, Anderson, come with me. Let's go get some oil from Rona. We'll fix their vehicle. This will be sweet. We get back, put the oil in there. Nothing. Car's not fixed. I'm like, oh, it's more than just oil. Great. We drive 100 yards to test whether or not our vehicle is fixed. It's still broken. <laughs> and of all the things that could happen, this man comes by on his motorcycle. Says, you guys got a problem? Says, I'm a mechanic. Uh, can I help you out? I have a shop just down the road. Think your vehicle can make it there? And so we follow this random man <laughs> on his motorcycle in our van to his house. We repair the van. I try and pay him. He does not accept my money. <laughs> and he is literally a tangible answer to prayer. And I <laughs> didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> Shandy did. So if, you need, if you're ever in a scenario where you need prayer, go to her, not me. <laughs> but I was so fascinated by that because I'm, I'm, I'm so quick to pray for others. But I'm not as quick to pray for myself. There's something powerful in that. And here, Jesus is trying to get Saul's attention. He's like, Saul, I need you to see this. Like, like, I need the Gentiles to know that they can be forgiven from their sins. Like, like I, they need to know that I can transform their lives. Like, I can completely change their entire story. You need to tell them this. And I love, I love 1 John in 1 John, it, it, it kind of summarizes this thought in so many ways. It says this in 1 John. It says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say to ourselves, or we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. 
But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us, us, all of us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Then verse nine, but if we confess our sins to him, that is Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. In other words, you can experience the power of God in the here and the now. In other words, one of the the biggest values of, of Christianity is that you can experience newness. You can experience, like I grew up in the, in the, in the, in the digital age of Sega Genesis and, and Super Nintendo. And there used to be this great button on, the Super, on my PlayStation. I remember my PlayStation had this button called Reset. And when it stopped working properly, I just pressed the reset button and it rebooted this whole system and then all of a sudden the game worked. We live in an era where we have a reset button. Paved by Jesus. Made possible only by Jesus, through Jesus, with Jesus. But we have a reset button where where God can reboot you and turn everything new again. And this is what Saul's trying to get, or this is what Jesus is trying to get Saul's attention for. It's like, Saul, you don't even understand, Saul, how, how significant it is that you listen to me and do what I say. Because the world needs to know that I am to be accessed, accessed by anybody. So we'll, we'll, we'll close with this. We'll land the plane. I want you to help Christians see different, from a different perspective. I want, like, like it's important that they see that they, they can be a part of the story. And it's important that we see that we can be part of God's story. It's important that we find clarity and, and confidence in, in our relationship with Jesus. It's important that we find freedom and wholeness through our relationship with Jesus. It's important that we understand that, that we can experience the power of God for ourselves and, and, and experience forgiveness of sin, experience that second chance at life, experience what it means to, what it, what it looks like to know that, that there's nothing that separates us from God. And then he finishes with this crescendo. And he says, Saul, it's so important that these Gentiles understand. It's so important that this world understands that I've given them a place, a place amongst God's people who are set apart in my faith or set apart in faith in me. It's as if he's saying, Saul, I need you to help people understand that, like, like who they are in Christ. Like, it's a big deal, Saul. In Ephesians, it says this in Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 1, and I don't think I have this on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you. Ephesians 1, 4. It says, even before he made the world, 
God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's a pretty powerful thought. Like, even before God made the world, God looked ahead to 2023 and thought to himself, you know what this world needs? It needs an Amanda in 2023. It needs a Carlos. And, and, and God sets it up so that we can be here, right here and right now. And it goes to say, I need everyone to hear me this morning. You are not an afterthought. You're not an afterthought to God. And this is what, what Jesus is trying to get into Saul's head so that Saul can communicate to the people. People aren't afterthoughts. People aren't like, oh, oops, oops, I didn't even realize you were there. But we were intentionally designed, placed here by God. Verse 5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. In other words, through Jesus Christ. If we choose to walk with Jesus, everybody has access to God's family. All across this room, you are not an outsider. And in fact, what ends up happening here is Jesus kind of kind of throws the whole thing on his head. Because what he's what he's essentially saying is he's saying, like, I am creating a table where everybody and anybody can come and sit. But it's actually up to you to choose whether or not you want to come. He's not saying, I am going to decide who is in and who's out. He's saying, it's up to you. I'm available. I'm accessible. I'm here. I'm not going to force myself on anyone. But if you choose, you don't have to be an outsider. You don't have to see yourself as set like a, a, a part as someone who doesn't fit in. Like, like everybody. Everybody I got space for. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. And the word that came to me while I was praying for this moment was, you are not a burden. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. He wanted to adopt people into his family. He wanted you to know who he is. And those three things came to mind. That's what we're going to pray for right now. One, I need you to know that you are not an afterthought. Two, I need you to know that you don't have to see yourself as an outsider any longer. And three, I need you to know that you're not a burden to Jesus. Jesus isn't like, ugh, great. They came to church today. Ugh. Gosh. Why? He's like, yeah. I'm so thankful that you're here. So thankful. Would you close your eyes with me? Actually, can I invite you to stand? Let's stand together.
And with every eye closed and every head bowed, if this morning you see yourself as the outsider, or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, but as I talked and as I described what it would look like and could look like for you to be a Christian, there's something inside of you that said, you know, I want that for me. If that's you, can I ask you to slip up your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Jesus, I pray for those who lifted their hands this morning. I thank you, Lord, that in you we can find life and purpose and value. I thank you that you're a God who makes all things new. I think that we can come to you and that, Father, you're, you're, you're quick to listen. So, Jesus, you see the heaviness that's on our hearts. And you see the things that have been weighing us down. And, Father, as we come to you and ask you to be the Lord of our lives, I pray that you would show us what it means to be a Christian, what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. Jesus, I thank you. In your name, amen. I want to pray one more prayer. If you found yourself today, and maybe you've been seeing yourself as an afterthought, maybe you've been feeling as though God's overlooked you, <laughs> he's busy helping other people and doesn't care about you, I want to encourage you. I believe this is a word for you. You're not an afterthought. God's got a plan. He's still working. He is there. And if you're here today and you see yourself as a burden, you may not articulate it that way, inside, you know what I'm talking about. God doesn't see you as a burden. I don't see you as a burden. We don't see you as a burden. We're thankful that you're here. Let me pray for you guys. Father, those who are here with heavy hearts, whether they see themselves as a burden or see themselves as an afterthought, Holy Spirit, I thank you for your tender love and care. I thank you, God, that you see us. You see the real us even when we pretend that we're something that we're not. I thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan and a purpose and a future for each person in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you're a God of breakthrough, a God of second chances, a God who can redeem those, those, those who are so far gone. I thank you that you're a Lord who, who restores and refreshes. I thank you that you're a God who is here in the, in the tangible, in the here and now, for real, in this moment. God, we just pray, Lord, as we step into this song of worship to close our service. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us, that you'd encourage us and help us to be like Paul, who goes out with a mission to tell people that they are included. <laughs> help us to live out our faith. Help us to be the kind of church who walks by faith and not by sight, who practices what we preach who lives out the things that you've placed in us and on us. Help us, God, to be a light in our world. In your name we pray.